0: Thank you for streaming the audio messages of the Fountain Church. I want to speak to you from the subject of atmosphere. Atmosphere. Tap your name and say, atmosphere. All right, would you pray with me? Father, in Jesus' name, thank you so much for our time together this morning, Lord. God, we're not here to play church. We want to encounter you in a real way. And so, Lord, I pray that every word from my mouth would be from your heart. Lord, I pray that I would get out of the way so that you can have your way. God, we thank you for this great opportunity, Lord. And, Lord, change us and make us more and more like you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, uh, last week, uh, my daughter Abby and I, let me show you a picture of my daughter Abby. She just celebrated a birthday today. Um, Today is Abby's birthday. You're like, should I clap? Should I not clap? Oh, no, you clap. It's all good. Uh, but today's Abby's birthday, and one of the things that I do with my kids is I'm always rolling on the ground. We're wrestling. Even though I have all girls, we still wrestle and, you know, play fight and all that stuff. And on this particular occasion, uh, about a week ago, um, we were role-playing, and I was the king. And Abby wanted to, to defy the king you know, beating up the king with pillows and all that fun stuff. And so she proceeded to take a nice sized pillow and making sh- and made sure that she gave me a nice little, you know, nice little pillow punch. And I went down for the count. Now, truthfully, the, the pillow punch did not hurt. But when you're a parent of three, anytime you get an opportunity to lay down, you lay there for a couple minutes, right? <laughs> you take your moment. And so I'm like, I'm laying down like you won. That was the final blow. I'm going to rest for 30 seconds. (laughs) And and it was so funny because a couple of minutes or a couple of moments went by, and it seems like like an eternity because it got real quiet. And then she started to declare some things. It got real quiet, and she said, Daddy, get up. Daddy, you're a strong daddy. (laughs) She said, Daddy, you're a pastor. You can handle anything. (laughs) Hey, don't you try to correct her perspective, all right? (laughs) I'll take that. But instantly in that moment, I felt like those words penetrated my soul because I knew that God was speaking to me in that moment. Now, God is so powerful that he doesn't have to speak to you audibly, that, that he knows the dial to your heart, that you just know, that you know, that you know that God is speaking to you. And the more and more time you spend with them, the easier it is, and you're going to hear a little bit about that today. But, but it, it was incredible because I just really felt the, the, the voice of the Lord come to me, and, and instantly I, I went to her perspective of her dad. I thought, man, she really sees me that way. Like, that's, that's her reality. Now you and I know that's not true, but that's her reality. <laughs> she sees me. In such a way that you're a strong daddy. Daddy, you're a pastor. You can you can handle anything. And I wasn't even discouraged, but I felt confidence like rush through my body, like, man, God, like what are you saying? And I felt God speak so clearly to me saying, Matt, do you see me like that? Do you see me as your strong daddy? Do you see me in my position and who I am as your heavenly father, as the one who is sovereign over all things, the one who never misses a beat? Do you really see me as if nothing is impossible with me? And so after relishing in that moment, I was blown away that a few small words or a gentle whisper through my little daughter's voice in that moment completely changed the atmosphere of my heart. Just a small voice that God used to completely change the atmosphere of my heart. And, and I believe God has given me this message today is because God wants to change the atmosphere of some hearts today. Some hearts who are in this house. Some hearts who are outside. And if you're listening online by, via recording, you too. God wants to change the atmosphere of our hearts. And he wants to change the atmosphere from an atmosphere. To an atmosphere of faith. He wants us to, sh- to shift from fear to faith. Now I don't know if you are living on the same planet that I am, but if you are, have been alive for the last couple of months, you have probably been really mindful of what's been happening across the globe. It's been pretty crazy. I mean, everybody's talking about it. Let me give you uh, a couple of, uh, of these things that are happening just in case you've been disconnected from the world. Let me show you what's going on today. So there's been some hurricanes. I think all of us have been mindful of of Houston and and Florida and Puerto Rico and across that part of the hemisphere. In fact, I have a great aunt in Puerto Rico. She's 90 years old. She's on one of the most tumultuous parts, and she weathered the storm. The only problem is, is in some parts of Puerto Rico, they're expected not to have power for for, for eight to nine months. Nobody saw this coming. Nobody... Thought that it would have the magnitude and the punch that it did. And, and what about the fires? See, there's been so many things happening. The news can't even keep up. Some of you guys are like, fires? Man, there have been so many fires burning in the Pacific Northwest. And it has done so much damage. But you probably didn't hear a whole lot about it because all the footage was going towards the hurricanes. But, man, people are left um, with ruins in a lot of places up in the, the Pacific Northwest. It's been just been horrible. What about earthquakes? Like, come on, right? We're going to shake this place today. Uh, what are, no, on a serious note, Mexico has been hit with a couple of big ones. Japan. We had three earthquakes in San Jose last week. Uh, we had a 5.2 right off of uh, the coast of Northern California. Man, it's kind of stirring. And all this stuff is happening at one time. What about, what about rumors of wars? There's rumors of wars with Korea and a plethora of other rumors of wars, just that are constantly just just coming about, and, and I, I think we can all agree on this. Whether you're a follower of Jesus or you're not a follower of Jesus, whether this is your first time or you've been coming for a while, I think all of us have felt the magnitude of what's happening in our world today. I think all of us might have had a moment where these words or this question passed through our mind: "What in the world is going on?" In fact, it, it's it's it's. It's been impacting hearts all over the place. It's really got people's attention. I was at the barbershop last week, and uh, one of the young men that works there, he came and sat with me in the back. He never wants to sit with me. He never wants to have a conversation, but today he did. And so he sits down, he starts, <coughs> excuse me. he starts talking. He said, hey, have you heard about these hurricanes? He says, I got family in Florida, and they're charging $40 for a case of water. He's like, man, this is, this is crazy. And what about the earthquakes? He said, I live in San Jose. I felt all those earthquakes. And he just starts going on and going on. And, and he said, man, it, it, I, it, this is scary. What do you think? And I looked at him kind of smiled, like, well, as I'm reading my Bible because I'm super spiritual in the barbershop. Uh, <laughs> I said, you really want to know what I think? And I said, man, I get it. It's crazy. I said, my heart has been breaking um, as we've just watched devastation after devastation. I mean, it's really easy when you're not a part of it to let your heart grow cold and numb to the reality of what people are facing. You got to let yourself feel that stuff, not be consumed by it, but you got to feel it. And uh, and I said, but to be honest with you, man, I'm really not surprised. I said, in fact, the God of the Bible, the true and living God that I pastor that church down the street, I work for Him, and uh, I said, the cool thing about God is God doesn't pull any punches with us. Like, like God doesn't leave us in mystery of what's to come. Matter of fact, I said, he told us these things are going to happen. He said, even as it gets closer to the return of Jesus, it's going to probably increase a little bit more. And so I said, to be honest with you, man, I'm really not um, surprised of what's going on. And so I'm not really too focused or asking the question, what in the world is going on? I said, I'm more concerned and interested in what God is saying. In other words, if you're taking notes, you can jot this down. We all need to be asking this question in this season. And it's this, God, what are you saying in this season? Because I don't know about you, but I want to be like the sons of Issachar. Now, most of you guys never even heard of the sons of Issachar. you got to read your Bible. 1 Corinthians, 1 Chronicles chapter 12. Look, look, look what it says about the sons of Issachar. It says that the men of Issachar understood the times, and they knew what Israel should do. I don't know about you, but I want to be one that understands the times that we're living in. And I want to have some clarity and direction of what to do and how to live and how to lead in every season. Are you guys tracking with that? Now, now the, the truth, truth of the matter is that we do have an enemy of our soul, even if you don't want to believe it. Many of you have heard him his name is the devil or Satan. But the reality is, is that there's a real spiritual war happening. There's a real spiritual battle that's taking place. Again, whether you acknowledge it or not, it's, it's more real than what's happening right here. And, and what's so incredible about that is this is the last thing that Satan wants you to grab a hold of. He does not want you to understand the times. He'd rather keep you blind to the times. He'd rather keep you um, uh, avoiding the times. He'd rather keep you ignorant of the times. And he definitely doesn't want you to know what to do. Because he simply wants to kill, to steal, and to destroy. That's like his goal. That, that's, that's what he wants. And he knows that if he can keep you distracted simply by what's going on and get you overwhelmed and afraid and consumed, then you're going to be so distracted that you're not going to pay attention. You're not going to be able to pay attention to what God is saying. So, so really what, what is up happening is he would love to keep you focused on just what's going on. What if this happens or what if an earthquake or what if this? And, and he would love for you to live in an atmosphere. But something happens that when we begin to lean into what God is saying in every season, we can go from an atmosphere to an atmosphere of faith. Completely change the atmosphere of our heart. And, and so I, I guess the question begs, and I, I think all of us might be wondering well, how do I know if I'm living in an atmosphere? Like, how do I know? How do I know if I'm starting to slide in that direction? Well, we're going we're gonna to learn from uh, one of my favorite prophets in the Bible. His name is Elijah. Now, before you kind of label the Old Testament um, prophets as, as not relevant, the New Testament speaks very clearly that the Old Testament was written for our instruction. And so what we want to do is we want to look back at Elijah's life and we want to see God, how did you operate and move in his life? And maybe we can learn a few things in the season that we're in. And so... First of all, you have to understand is that the prophet Elijah was a powerful dude. I mean, this guy lived in the atmosphere of faith. I mean, that's just where he lived. That's where he dwelt. I mean, he was a faith-filled, I mean, just, he was the man. Never doubted God, just, just, just strong and just believed God with everything. In fact, um, we see some of the feats and some of the things that he experienced right before the text we're going to pick up in today. I want to give you a little bit of that context because I think it's important that you understand kind of this picture that no matter how strong you are or how long you've been following Jesus or how strong your faith is, that if we're not careful, we are susceptible to be seduced by a spirit of fear. And so so Elijah, let me just kind of catch you up to speed. He just got done calling down fire from heaven, which was a challenge between those that worship the false god Baal and the true and living God. Elijah just put it on the table. He said, hey guys, you guys want to battle it out? Okay, so you call out to your God, I'll call out to my God, and the God that consumes this altar with fire, who will know is the real deal? And so this guy was full of faith. He lived in an atmosphere of faith, so much so that he got a little sarcastic with these guys. Because these guys are calling out to their false god, Baal. Hey Baal, what's up? Help us, fire, right? It says that it got so intense, they were cutting themselves, and like, please see us. And, and Elijah was like, hey, what's going on, guys? Where's he at? Maybe he's on vacation. Maybe he's in Carmel. Maybe he's at the game. Maybe he's in the restroom. Where's he at? And Elijah said, hey, let me, let me show you how it's done. Hey, Heavenly Father, boom, blows up the altar. And then he takes out 450 Prophets of Baal. If you guys thought the Bible was boring, you got to read it more often. Like, this stuff is is intense. And so, just got done calling down fire from heaven, destroyed 450 prophets of Baal, and then it says the spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. And King Ahab, who was the king over the land at the time, true story, he set out in his chariot back to Jezreel. Now, Jezreel was like the capital of Baal worship. And it says that the spirit of the Lord came upon Elisha in power, and as Ahab was going out uh, in his chariot, that Elijah was like, got in front of the chariot and ran 25 miles to Jezreel. Now, I thought, Elijah should have been on the Olympic team. (laughs) The power of God. Come on, we got to have some fun in church. Are you with me? (laughs) Hey, Jesus is alive, so no matter what's going on, we can enjoy the journey. We can enjoy the journey. And so... And so, uh, so he, 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 he runs to Jezreel. Now, you might be asking, like I was asking, why would you run to the capital of Baal worship? You see, Elijah, he thought that when he got there that um, King Ahab and Queen Jezebel, which was a wicked woman, he thought because of what God had done that they were going to bow their knee and worship the true and living God and live happily ever after. But he got there, and that wasn't the case. He got there, and Jezebel said, oh, oh, you think I'm moved by that, bro? <laughs> she said, matter of fact, she said, you know what? May my gods deal with me ever so severely if by this time tomorrow I don't take your life. And so Elijah was like, "What? Well, this is not supposed to happen. This is not supposed to work this way. God, I did my part. You called fire down from heaven. We wiped out these prophets of Baal. Now we just... You know, everybody should bow down and worship the the living God, and we should all live happily ever after. And it didn't work out that way. In fact, now Jezebel has threatened his life, and he was disappointed. You ever been disappointed when things don't work out the way you anticipate, the way that you expect? And that disappointment led to some doubt, and that led to an open door to the spirit of fear. This guy's a man of faith. But we find himself in this moment seduced by a spirit of fear. So how do you know if you're living in an atmosphere? Well, the first thing is if you're taking notes, shots this down. You'll find yourself being driven by a spirit of fear rather than led by the spirit of God. This is huge. Let me, let me read you First Kings chapter 19, verse 3. It says this, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Now, this was so outside of his character because Elijah would never run anywhere unless God had told him. Like, Elijah would never leave his assignment until God said, you're done, buddy. Let's go to the next city. He would never do that. But now, rather than being submitted to God, he's being driven by this sense of, of trying to figure out how to survive. Come on, we, we've been there before. You know, like, today's it's a great day. We're in church and worshiping God and you know those seasons of life where, where things have been going pretty good and, man, you feel like when you pray, God is listening. You open up your Bible, you actually understand a little bit. Man, it's, it's a good day. And then all of a sudden, something devastates you. And then your good friends come around and say, hey, man, man, God's got you. Man, let me show you a passage of scripture. And you're like, man, get, get this. I don't know. I don't, I don't You see your friend calling from church. You, you decline the call. I want to deal with that right now. And you go into this mode where rather than being submitted and led by the Spirit, you start to be driven towards this this aspect of survival. i got to figure this out. What's going on? It's not working. How could this happen? And you start being driven in a way that God has never called you to be driven. Number two, you're going to find yourself distracted from your calling. Distracted from your calling. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 3 and 4 says this. It says, when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went on a day's journey into the wilderness. Basically, he fired his staff. He fired his team. It's the only guy he had on his staff, and he fired them. He he basically said, hey, you stay here. I just got to go figure this out. I know I'm supposed to be discipling you. I know that God has called us to do some, some incredible things, and I know, but I just, I can't, I just, you stay here, man. I'm going to go isolate. I'm going to go and just try to figure this, try to figure this out. It's, isn't it funny that sometimes when we think about our calling, we only think about occupation? But can I just tell you that God has called some of you to be a dad. God has called some of you to be a mom. Listen, God has called you to, some of you to be spiritual moms and dads. God has called some of you to be sons and daughters. God has called, God has, listen, I'm going to tell you this. God has called you to do some things, and when fear gets in there, you're going to start to hurt people along the way. And it's going to start to affect your relationships. So just because being distracted from your calling just doesn't have to do with occupation, a lot of it has to do with relationship. Because we don't want to deal with people when we're, when, we're, when we're battling and wrestling on the inside. We'd rather isolate and be by ourselves. And how many guys know that never works out good? <laughs> then you find yourself just discouraged about your life. Fear will have you discouraged. and atmosphere will have you discouraged about your life. Look what he says in 1 Kings 19 verse 4. He said, he came to a broom bush. He sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. It's interesting. Discouragement, you can't ignore discouragement. And if you're discouraged right now, it may be a spirit of fear that's driving that. Why? Because what fear loves to do is fear loves to dismantle your courage. That's what it is, discourage, a lack of Of courage, I can't see hope. I can't see life coming out of this. I can't see an opportunity. I can't see this working out, and so I get discouraged. I get fearful that it's 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 doom and gloom. There's no possible way. And you know what's so crazy about discouragement is we start killing stuff when we're discouraged. You know what, man? Forget this marriage. I'm I'm done. You know what, I just, and we start killing relationships. We start killing dreams. You know what, I mean? forget that dream. God, I know you might have put a dream in my heart, but it's not going to happen. It's not going to work. Shelfing it. Shelfing it. Shelfing it. We just start killing stuff. That's why I always tell people when I'm meeting with them, hey, listen, whatever you do. I was talking with a young lady this week. I said, don't make a decision right now because you're discouraged. And if you make a decision when you're discouraged, it'll probably be the wrong one. So you just need to hold fast, let's work through some things, and let's make a decision when we get out of this place. Discouragement will mess you up. And then from a place of discouragement, finally, you just get drained physically. Fear will drain you physically. Look what it says, 1 Kings 19 verse 5. It says that he laid down under the bush and he fell asleep. Now, a lot of scholars say, well, this guy was exhausted because he had been working so hard for the Lord. I don't buy that. Everything that he was doing, he was operating under the power of God. It even says the Spirit of God came upon him. He wasn't running in his own strength 25 miles ahead of a chariot. If you can do that in your own strength, you are next level. That was, that was the spirit of God. He was, moving in, in, in God's, he was moving in the strength that God provided. But here, fear will wipe you out. I don't think this had to do, anything to do with what he was doing. I think this had to do with the mental capacity, I, the emotional capacity of him just walking through the wilderness like, what's going on? I'm going to die. It's going to kill me. What am I going to do? This is not working. This is... I mean, that stuff will wipe you out. I remember for three years of my life, I battled with anxiety and fear really, really bad. And man, I just I just remember it would mess with me physically. Like I literally I lost a job because I would I would throw up, I would get sick, I'd be I'd have so much anxiety. I couldn't even hold a particular job at the time because my I just my head was messed up. It's still a little messed up, but um <clears throat> But I just remember it would mess up my sleeping patterns, it would mess up, you know, my my appetite. And so so this guy this guy is Is wiped out. Listen, fear will mess you up. It will mess you up. And and I I don't have time to get into the rest of the narrative, but but let me tell you what what ends up happening. Is that the angel of the Lord finds him. He comes, and here Elijah is asleep. And the angel of the Lord comes and he gives him some food and something to drink. And and he wakes up, he eats, he drinks, and he goes back to sleep. He wakes up and he eats and drinks again, and he goes back to sleep. And now he's starting to feel some strength. But he's still in the, the atmosphere. He's still stuck in this atmosphere. What do you do when you're in the atmosphere? Well, Elijah, as messed up as he was and as, and as dysfunctional as he was feeling and all the stuff that was happening on the inside of him, he did know one thing. It's he said, I know that if I'm going to get out of this atmosphere, and I know there's, there's a whole lot of things going on, but I really need to lean in to what God is saying. To me in this season. And so he made a decision. He went to Mount Sinai. And let me just give you a a quick little backdrop. Mount Sinai is the mountain we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks where Moses would go up on the mountain and God would meet with Moses in a dramatic, incredible way. Fire and clouds and just super powerful. And Elijah's like, I need one of those moments. You guys ever been in that place where you're like, "I I need you to part the heavens, God. I need you to do something in my life. Because I'm drowning. And so he goes to Mount Sinai, and this is where we pick up in the narrative. It says, And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? God was saying, I never asked you to come here. What's driving you, buddy? What drove you to this place? He replied, How many of you guys know whenever God asks a question, it's never for him, it's always for you? He's like, What are you doing, man? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. the Israelites, they have rejected your covenant. They tore down your altars. And they put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, God. And now they're trying to kill me. They're trying to kill me. There should have been one more D. And that's that fear will distort your perspective because none of that is true. None of that is true. whisper, a gentle whisper. Now, just imagine for a moment if you're Elijah. Like, you've come for a Sinai experience. And Elijah, you know, the Lord tells him to come out, says, I'm going to pass by. And so Elijah goes out. He's like, all right, man, it's getting windy. All right, man, God's going to speak something good in this one, right? And, 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 man, the wind is blowing, the hurricane is pounding, and he doesn't hear anything. He's just like, I'm cold. I'm going back in the cave. <laughs> right? And then and then God call, then, then goes out again, and when the earth starts to shake, and he's like, all right, God, certainly you're, you're going to be in this earthquake. I'm going to get something real good. And then it's like, man, I'm, I'm not hearing anything, and I'm scared. I'm going back in the cave. <laughs> oh, but the fire. Certainly God is in the fire. Get out there. You can smell the barbecue. and. God's about to pass by, and he steps out there, and he doesn't hear a thing. He's just like, man, it's hot. I'm going back in the cave. (laughs) And then a gentle whisper, almost like, God, is that you? Elijah. A gentle whisper. Now, I was like you. I was like, why a whisper? Like, God, you're a big God. Like, this guy... It was almost as if God humored him like, hey, dude, did you see all that Sinai stuff, all that fire, wind, earthquake? I'm not in any of that. Not today. I'm in a whisper. And you say, why a whisper? I was asking the same thing. I think Elijah was asking the same thing. Why a whisper? It's because if you're taking notes, I want you to jot this down, is that God's whisper creates an atmosphere of faith. I started asking as I was studying this, like, God, I don't get it. How, what pulled him out of this atmosphere? And just began to see that a whisper creates an atmosphere for our faith to grow. Let me explain. The first thing that it does, a whisper, is a God's whisper challenges the norm. Challenges the norm. Let me, let me paint a picture for you. Elisha was only used to God doing big feats. That's always how God has worked in his life. It's always been majestic. It's always been big. Fire from heaven, running 25 miles in front of a chariot. It's always been spectacular. Matter of fact, the reason why Elisha is in this place, his disappointment wasn't because God let him down. His disappointment was because God didn't work the way he thought he should. He he thought, everybody should bow down now. I did my part like everybody should bow down and live happily ever after. And God said, that's not what I wanted to do. Because what Elijah didn't know is God was going to annihilate Baal worship in just a short time after this conversation. But it wasn't through a, a great feat. It was actually through a gentle whisper of political parties and kings that eventually wiped out Baal worship. God says, I got this. You're disappointed because you expected me to work in a certain way and because I didn't work the way you thought. I didn't work a- as the norm. You're in this place of disappointment. It's opened up fear to you and now you're you're in this place. See an atmosphere of faith. God will always challenge the normal. He will always challenge the normal. Let me ask you this. Where is God challenging your normal? Where have you been disappointed and you have bought into fear because you expected God to speak and God to move in a certain way? And because he didn't do it the way you thought, now you found yourself being driven by something that God never called you to be driven by rather than led by his spirit. And so so whatever God's whisper is, it's always going to God's. Uh, A whisper creates or a whisper challenges the norm. Elisha had never encountered God in this way. God says, yes, sometimes I need to yell at you. You're going to hear me in the fire. You're going to hear me in this. You're going to hear me. But he says, no, no, no. I need you to understand. I'm not always going to work the way you want me to work. So don't put me in a box. I need you to trust me because I got this. Where is God challenging your norm? Second thing. Is God's whisper calls us to rely on God's power? See, a lot of times we think a whisper, like, like don't, don't confuse projection with power. You know, there, there are ultrasonic sounds that you and I cannot hear that, if pointed at the top of a building, could topple it. If you're a doctor here, we had a doctor here last service, um, it, they'll tell you very clearly that there are ultrasonic sounds that you cannot hear but that can investigate the entire anatomy of your body. Don't mistake projection. Or don't mistake sound for, for power or the volume for power. You, you just can't do that. And so, so God's whisper calls us to rely on God's power. Well, what do you mean? Well, let's define whisper. How about we do that? A whisper, definition speaking, is a very soft, is speak, to speak very softly using one's breath without one's vocal cords, especially for the sake of privacy. In, in the original Hebrew language, it, it's, it's a thin silence. The Bible speaks of a, a gentle whisper, a small voice, a thin silence. Let me show you how powerful the breath of God is. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, look, look at it with me. It says, Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now now, 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 roll with me. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it says that all scripture, all of the Bible is God breathed. See, this is, what, this is what's so powerful. Is God created the heavens and the earth. He said, son, boom, let it be. Boom, boom. He spoke, spoke. But when he came to man, after he created man, he said, oh, I'm not going to speak. I'm going to breathe into him the breath of life. And, and the awesome thing is God's breath has the power to bring dead things to life. God's power, God's breath has the ability. Listen, God's word can sustain you in any circumstance or situation. God's word can be an anchor for your soul. Why? Because it's not a book. It's alive. It's the living word of God that has power. And an atmosphere of faith will always depend and rely on God's word and God's breath to bring life. Are you guys hearing me? Third one is God's whisper requires us. To be close. Now we're talking about creating an atmosphere of faith. God's going to, faith always challenges the norm. Faith will always, listen, wherever Jesus was doing miracles, it would say in the Bible, and the spirit of the Lord was there in power to do miracles. An atmosphere of faith is always, God's power is always going to be present. But also God's whisper, what does it do? It creates an environment where you and I have to be close. You have to be close. Like, Lily, I want you to whisper into Andrew's ear for me. Say it again. One more time. One more time. Nice. See, none of you heard that. Because you got to be close. You are hot, Andrew. You are hot. Uh, <laughs> You got to be close. (laughs) Listen. Listen, a whisper is probably the most intimate form of communication. And God is saying, listen, as as things are unfolding in this world, as things are happening, you want to understand what I'm saying in this season, you got to be close to me. You got to be close to hear what I want to communicate to you. You know, me and Jackie, like, we know each other so well now. She could be across the room. She doesn't even have to whisper anymore. She just looks at me. And sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not so good. But I know what she's saying. Because it requires that you're close. Let me me ask you this question. Where is God challenging your norm? Where have you been relying on your own power? And where are you distant that God is calling you to be close? Next is God's whisper requires us to be quiet. And I'm going to invite the worship team up. God's whisper requires us to be quiet. You know, as I was preparing for this message, I was sitting right over here where this gentleman is. And we were having a prayer time with our worship team before worship practice. And, <clears throat> and I really felt God started to, to whisper. And, and I didn't even put the, the, the correlation together. It was almost as if, Matt, isn't it interesting that everybody's been facing some wind. There's been some shaking happening on the earth, and there's been some fire, things have been a little bit crazy, and I I felt like what God was saying was, I want you to be concerned for the people, but I don't want you to be consumed by fear as a result of those things. Don't let listen. Don't ignore what's happening, but let what's happening draw you to a place so that you can hear what God is saying in this season. Otherwise, what's going to happen is the enemy is going to keep you focused on the what ifs. What if the earthquake happens today? What if what if what if we don't make it? What if this happens to my kids? What if? And you're going to go down this thing, and all he's doing is this. All he's doing is wanting to distract you so that you can't hear what he, what God is saying. Because if you know what God is saying and you understand the times that you're living in, you're going to know what to do. And he doesn't want you to know what to do. Listen, I have, I have wasted so much time. Can I just be honest with you? Like, I've wasted, I've wasted so much time worrying about what this person might have thought of me that for, some, that for a long time, it, used to, it, it would consume my days. Like, man, the, the pressure sometimes... Like, we have to, like, as a pastor, you have to be, like, rooted in him. Otherwise, man, the enemy would love for you to find your value in what you do rather than on what he says. And it's it's crazy because I, I just remember the, the moments, like, days would go by, and I'm worried about something that's so ridiculous, and in the moment, I neglect my kids. Like, I'm like, where did this day even go? Like, I was with them, but I wasn't there, and I— and, and that, that progression starts to happen as you start to live in an atmosphere. I don't want to live there. But if we're not going to live there, then we have to lean in to what God is saying. The last verse is this. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 15. What did God tell him? What did the whisper say? I mean, for crying out loud, what did he say? <laughs> the Lord said to him, go back. Go back the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus, and when you get there, anoint Haziel king over Aram. God doesn't even address his, his little spiel. God's like, What? Let's get to work. I was like, What? No, 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 no. You're not in that atmosphere anymore. Let's get back to what I've called you to do. So now, now here's the key this is all activated by this reality of going back. In other words, what the Lord was saying is repent. Repent from your fear. See, a lot of times we think that repentance, people are afraid to use that word in church today. I'm not because it, it's, I, I, it's almost like repentance and it, it's kind of like a, a harsh word. And No, it's not. I know because you see people with the signs that say, turn or burn, repent, God's coming, right? I know it looks scary, but that's just out of context, right? Some of us, we wake up in the morning, we look scary, But then you start to put things into context. It's not scary. matter of fact, Peter tells us, hey, listen, repent so that times of refreshing will come to your soul. God is saying, go back. Repent, all it means is metanoia. It just means to turn 180 degree and move in the other direction. God is saying, go back. Listen, for some of you, God is telling you today, you need to go back to that. You need to go back to that hope. You need to go back to that faith. You need to go back to believing again. You need to go back to to being reminded that I am a strong daddy. And that with me, nothing is impossible. But listen, you're not going to be able to do that if your life is so crowded by noise that you can't hear his whisper. Like, listen, some of you need to put it on the schedule, just time to be still and be quiet and know that he is God so he can reveal himself to you. Why? So that you can get up and go back and face that what you've been running from. So you can go back. Somebody, you need to receive that today. Go back. Go back. Go back. And stop letting the enemy rob you. Go back to trusting Go back to believing. Listen, some of, listen. Some of us, I don't know what your go back is, but the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now. You know what it is. So lean in.